Welcome to Rockin' All Week with you, a Happy Days podcast, Season 6, Episode 3. I'm your host, Dan Bunnick. How are you all? I hope you're all well. In this episode, we're going to talk Casanova Cunningham and kid stuff. Oh, yeah. I'm going to dive right in here. We're going to uh, so be Casanova Cunningham, directed by Jerry Paris. Both episodes directed by Jerry Paris. Uh, this one's written by Bob Bruner. Uh, Casanova Cunningham is by Bob Bruner, October 3rd, 78. Kid Stuff is written by Fred Fox Jr., October 10th, 1978. And let me just give you a quick breakdown of Casanova Cunningham. Uh, it is um, time for the big uh, baton twirler competitions and Richie's fraternity has told all the frat brothers that they have to date or take out um, or escort or something or other a baton twirler to a a big dance and uh, Richie is afraid to tell Lori Bath so he kind of says he'll be traveling with uh, for a class in like a police car I guess maybe something reporter related and he's going to meet up with her at 11 at Arnold's. Um, but he's actually taken this, I think Corinne is her name, Corinne? Corinne is her name, a baton twirler out. He's a little broken up by the um, the uh, uh, lie, but um, he's hoping he can just do this and get it over with and uh, and then go out with Lori Beth. Um, but when he arrives at Arnold's at a, right before 11, waiting for Lori Beth, uh, Corinne is there. And things get a little complicated. <laughs> oh, Casanova Cunningham, where are you putting your hands? Yeah, all right. So let's uh, let me play a little bit of this, and we will uh, uh, chat about it on the other side. You, you got what I need, but you say he's just a friend, and you say he's just a friend. Oh, baby. As I, as I said in the, in the previous two episodes, uh, Guessword Ho, a Westward Ho, sorry, parts one and two, the hour-long premiere, I don't think it's a, it's a great episode, but it does have, like I said, a variety show kind of feel to it. Everyone gets something to do, and um, you almost feel like the Osmonds are going to show up at one point and do something wacky. Um, Guessword, Westward Ho, part three, is is a decent wrap-up to everything. Um, it's not particularly funny, but it's, it's a decent wrap-up. Fonzie's blindness is a bit, is, is I, I think it's overdone and melodramatic. Um, everyone does their best, but the script is, um, you, you know the Fonzie isn't going to be blind for more than one episode, and um, it, uh, it, it, it just it doesn't quite work. Uh, now we're going to this one, Casanova Cunningham, and I can say that this one... Um, I don't think this one really quite works either. Uh, the, the 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 problem I have with this episode is that the whole thing is about should um, what should Richie tell Lori Beth? Is he going to cheat? You know, can he stop himself with Corinne the baton twirler all over him? Um, and if he does make out with a baton twirler, what should he tell Lori Beth? 
Um, and if he does tell Lori Beth the truth, um, what should she do? Should it be over? Um, and all this, that, and the other. And, and the whole time, the whole thing about the episode is that it all leads up to that moment where Lori Beth says that you know, he, he, you know, Richie, Richie cheated on her, Richie lied to her, um, that she does say that the cheating she doesn't have as big a problem with as the lying, although she actually has him tell this, this story, remember when they first met in the library at the beginning of season five, and he lied about being in a fraternity, in the, uh, the, what, the mother, father, sister joke or something like that, that, uh, I, I don't remember it from the episode with the library, I remember more the panty raid portion of that episode, but it's, it's, it's not a funny joke, and they do it again here, and it's not particularly funny here either. Um, uh, but but it's weird because she she starts off by saying, you know, one of the first things you did uh, when we met was you lied, and then she says something weird like, and I thought, now there's a sweet nice boy, you know, and and again, and she lies, and of course here he lies too, and there's a moment where she says, I, I you know, we're we're done. I can never forgive you for lying to me, and she leaves. And you think, wouldn't it be great if she meant it, if it was truly over? And the lesson learned here is don't do that. Instead, the lesson learned here is you can do that. You just have to wait about three days and then um, you can apologize and everything will be exactly the same as it was. Um, I, I think in a, if this were a more modern television show, I'd like to say they may actually do that. They may actually have the person, you know, the Laurie Beth character walk off and just, just leave. Um, and, and the thing is, Laurie Beth isn't in the show a lot, so it's not like she's a regular. It's not like she's like Joni or something where, where's she going to go? You know, it's not like, like if you're watching a soap opera and a couple breaks up, you know, unless the one of the characters is meant to, is leaving the show and that's why they're breaking up, then the characters are still going to be around. They're still going to see one another, um, which is the way, you know, life works. You know, if you're in high school and you're in college or somewhere, if you're going out with someone you work with and you break up, that person is still there. Um, but there's there's something about this just like with the blindness you you knew the fonts wasn't going to stay blind you you knew it would it would pass um but they milked that melodrama so hard that it's it's just it's kind of tough to watch and in the same way here like there there are a couple of fun moments um mostly involving the fonts um the fonts is actually it's weird you know um the the Fonz is leading some episodes. Obviously, he he led more or less led Fonzie's blindness, and he'll lead the next one more or less. Um, but it's almost it's funny in that like the Fonz is kind of at a point right here where the Fonz's best stuff is when he's secondary, because he has some really fun scenes in this, and the scene where he's he's trying to in the end where he's trying to get Richie to talk to Laurie Beth, and they're talking about Robert Young, and uh, um, that's very that's funny that's funny stuff. Um, but the actual oh, we get a great moment where um, the Fonz points at uh, take, points Richie's face uh, towards Lori Beth, and Lori Beth is sitting against the fourth wall, and then we see her look towards us, and you see the fourth wall; it's right there. Yay! I always like a moment like that where we see that wall, where they remember that there's supposed to be a wall there, and then they kind of show it to us. I like that. Now, and I don't mean to say that the whole episode is a dud. I mean, 
I, you, you can see that Richie is struggling when he tells his first lie that he, he's not going to hang out with a baton twirler, that he's going to do something riding in a cop car or something like that. Um, when, when he's talking to his parents about it and they're trying to, they're trying to help him. And um, that's kind of a nice scene there where they're trying to sort of work through um, it. Um, and I, I like that scene. Um, there, there, there's a weird. I don't, I don't know. Do, do I, I was never been in a fraternity, but do, do, um, do fraternities do that? I mean, they're actually, they actually, the people in charge tell their fraternity brothers that they have to take out baton twirlers during the big baton twirler tournament or whatever it is. Um, even if they have girlfriends, how does that, how does that work? I mean, as, as you know, there is a moment. It's, it, it does start off with a moment where you learn that Patsy did tell his girlfriend that what he was doing, and she busted his guitar. Although you can tell the way Anson Williams is holding his guitar when he walks into the diner. Clearly, there's something wrong with the guitar because he's holding the guitar in a way that no one's ever held a guitar, and probably because of the DVD, and if this were an HD, it would be even worse. When he sits down, he's holding the target. That you can see that the strings are all over the place. I but but they're they're like um they're like, they're almost like strings on like a ufo that you're not supposed to see but you can see them clearly here and you're like well oh the, why are the strings all over the place yeah if we if we bump that up to high def that's probably gonna be even more obvious that there's a joke uh waiting right there and yeah and andrew elf and potsy of course aren't bad the the ancillary uh characterizations in this episode is pretty fine but richie himself is uh tough to take i mean here's the thing he he does lie Yes, in the beginning, um, but he wants to tell the truth. But then he he's he he actually it, it works. He 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 kind of he he went. He took her out. They had a good time. He dropped her off at the sorority. He shows up at Arnold's, um, ready to um, meet Lori Beth. The problem is, and I don't know how this happens. Somehow, the sorority girl Corinne um, somehow gets to Arnold's like before. I don't I don't fully understand it. So so so, so what so what the, the timeline is apparently. Now, I don't know where anything is in relationship to anything else. Richie drops Corinne off at her sorority house. He goes to Arnold's. He's talking to Arnold, saying Lori Beth will be here shortly. All of a sudden, in the completely empty Arnold's, apart from Arnold and Richie, Corinne steps out of the gal's room, or the doll's, the ladies' room. I say, how did you get here? I thought you dropped her off at the sorority house. Well, I wanted to spend more time with you. And I say, wait, how did she, how did she get, did she come in through the window? Did Arnold not know she was there? Um, it, it looks like Arnold's is, it looks like it's closed, right? It looks like Arnold's is closed and Al is cleaning up. Um, so why is, how'd she get in there? I, I don't understand, I don't understand how she got in there. And it's, it's true because you forget about that as the scene goes along, she starts to kiss him more and kiss him more and then finally he breaks down and kisses her. Um, but, um, but at the same time, it doesn't make sense how she got there. And that kind of bugged me throughout the scene because it seems so, um, you know, it, it, it would be one thing like if they were sitting there and then they heard like a car pull up or something and it was like, oh, Lori Beth's here. And it was, it was Corinne. But the fact that she's somehow got into this diner restaurant, which looks like it's closed and got into the ladies room, which means she would have had to, unless she crawled through the window, she would have had to go across the entirety of the diner from the entrance to the the other side and the fact that nobody saw her do that the fact that she got there before Richie the fact that Richie dropped her off she must have known he was going there and so she dropped her off the sorority 
he dropped her off the sorority. So I guess she had a car, and that's how she got there. So somehow she got into her car and beat Richie to Arnold's, and not only beat Richie to Arnold's, but put her car somewhere where no one knew, no one could say, "Hey, whose car is that?" or "That car looks familiar" or something. And got herself into the Arnold's and into the bathroom before Richie showed up. Makes no sense to me. I'm almost wondering if none of that is real, if none of that actually happened, if that is all Richie guilt. That's what I'm. That's what I'm going to say. I'm going to say that scene with Corinne. All that is all fake. It's all Richie guilt. It's all rich. It's all Richie guilt. And um, I don't know where the smeared lipstick on his on, on, that are on his lips come from. I do know. I do know that um, um, there there is some lipstick on his lips. And then he seems to when when he sees Lori Beth. I thought, oh, he's still got lipstick on his lips. But she never mentions it. So that just be must be the color of, of Ron Howard's ruby red lips. Um, but, uh, but I, you know, I'm, I, I might, apart from the lipstick and, and you know what, you know what, someone, someone is neurotic and anxiety ridden as Richie. I could see him doing that. I could see him buying the lipstick and putting it on there as kind of like, um, kind of like a thing to get himself caught, even though he didn't do anything. That's what I'm doing. That's what I'm standing by from now on. The, um, the, uh, from the moment, um, what what actually happens is he goes in Arnold gives Al gives him the keys and leaves Lori Beth shows up and he's feeling so guilty he didn't he didn't do anything he just took took to took the gal they didn't do anything he feeling he's feeling so guilty that he oh maybe the, maybe the Fonz hmm okay I'm gonna go I'm gonna go I'm gonna go with this all the stuff from Corinne appearing in the out of the bathroom to when Richie is in the bathroom like rubbing soap on his face and his shirt all that stuff never happens it starts with him in the bathroom rubbing the soap and stuff on his shirt he is so neurotic he is so anxious that he believes that Corinne showed up although it is impossible for her sort of geographically and temporally to have shown up and he believes he broke down and made out with her he believes he had lipstick on he believes he saw the Fonz there that's why that's why see here's the thing that drove, drove me nuts is when he's in the bathroom never once does he turn on the water he's rubbing sofa on his face he's soap on his face he's rubbing soap on his arms never once does he like turn on like the faucet and splash his face with water or anything like that because nothing's happened and it doesn't occur to him to do that because he he is he is so filled with guilt and anxiety for something that he hasn't actually done that one he imagined he did it two he imagined the fawn saw it and gave him advice on it and three he's he's trying to to clean himself up to get rid of this imaginary this the smell of Corinne on him and the lipstick on his face which isn't actually there and he's doing a piss poor job of it so he can get caught and that's why when you see how piss poor of a job he does and how Lori Beth doesn't actually doesn't actually um all she smells is the soap she doesn't smell Corinne or anything like that because there is nothing there but the soap and that's why in the end when he breaks out and says he did it he did it that's she I mean like when she when Lori Beth is kind of on top of him kissing him I thought she's gonna smell Corinne on him she's got to Corinne was all over him on his neck on his face all over all well not all over him but you know all over him um but she doesn't why doesn't she because Corinne wasn't there 
because it's all fake. I like my idea because my idea makes it a more interesting episode because it makes Richie um, feels because I was raised Catholic and I know the way guilt works and I've been in that position where I've done nothing wrong but I feel so guilty about what I might have done or or what might have happened that um, I almost want to get caught for something I haven't done. I've never even, you know, I didn't do it, but I almost want to get caught for it. And um, I can, I, I am going by that theory. I'm going by that theory. That from the moment, from the moment Corinne comes out of the bathroom to the moment before Richie is in the men's room soaping himself, all that segment the makeout segment, the scene with the Fonz, all that segment is in Richie's mind. None of that happened. That's him going crazy. And and they just, for some reason, they cut out the dream portion of it. And maybe, so that that would also explain why, how, and it would make more sense as to why Lori Beth would go back to him if she said she never, he never would, she never would go back to him. She goes back to him um, because he didn't actually do anything. He 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 did he did tell her the the as and even 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 Mr. C and somewhat Mrs. C are able to uh, but more Mr. C are able to say okay well your fraternity wants you to do this um, just do it and get get on with life you know it's a little white lie but but you're doing it because it's the fraternity and stuff like that you know it ain't it ain't right but it ain't if if you just take her out like they want you to. Um, and just get on with it. I I don't know if you could justify that, but that's um that uh you know that would have sent me into paroxysms of guilt uh, when I was Richie's age. It probably would uh, now too. So I I like that. I'm gonna go with that. I'm gonna go with that. That this se- that this episode contains a dream sequence that is not um uh signposted as a dream sequence. And if you take it as a dream sequence, it makes the episode um, very different. Um, uh, and and um, yeah, and what and what else about the episode? This this wonderful um, dream filled episode. Um, yeah. See, see, one of the other things too is like, like um, Richie, like Richie just feels just he's been since they break up. He's just been watching a divorce court all day long. No, obviously he couldn't be watching Divorce Court all day long because that's not the way television worked back then. You wouldn't get, you know, nowadays you can get, uh, you can find a station that shows The Office all day long or The Simpsons or Law and Order SVU. But you couldn't, you get a half hour Divorce Court and an hour of Divorce Court a day kind of thing. So he's watching that. And, and I, I think it's, um, I think if you take it as being, he, he, he did not cheat. And, um, did did what the fraternity wanted and it's all over and i guess we're gonna call it a little, little white lie maybe maybe he could tell her one day that maybe he has told her maybe that's why she comes back to him i don't know i'm just when you when you take that as that scene is what that sequence is what it truly is a dream sequence an imaginary sequence then the whole episode changes and but i'm already a ways into my chat here so i'm not going to change everything i've said but anyway, um, we do hear um, Great Pretender playing for the Platters, and we do hear a song which sounds like it's going to be the Book of Love. Um, but the lyric I hear, you hear only briefly. I don't think it's a Book of Love lyric. And in fact, it's it's during the um, as the as the 
credits are playing as we're going into Arnold's at the beginning, you know, you know, written by Bob Bruner, directed by Jerry Paris. Um, and, and the thing, listen to that music, like the doo-wop and everything, that sounds exactly like one of those, not, not a Shana, not precisely, but one of those, I don't even know that, the Rubettes, who, who were the, who were those, those, those 70s bands from that time who were doing that very 50s sound, and sometimes it sounded authentic, and sometimes it sounds kind of smarmy and strange and this sounds a little smarmy and strange to me but um and i'm not going i'm not going to go in the pretenders i'm not, I'm not going to try to um give us a date for this because um did i say the great pretenders were the platters who did i say they were um but but both great pretender and book of love if, if that's what that's supposed to be were both 50 songs 55 57 58 something like that so they're all they're all um they're all uh they're all 50 songs uh so and and in this in this season in a few episodes we, we do get a definitive and actually it's an episode that i've already released some time ago my, my chat um uh, uh with it um but there is a definitive date stamped on this time period and we are about to get to halloween and then thanksgiving and then christmas uh, and so um, we we know what year we're in. So so hearing those tunes in the mid mid to late fifties is 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 kind of fun, or whatever the hell that that book of love tune is. So um, yeah, that's about it for this episode. I think um, it's not uh, it's not a great episode until you make that portion of it an imaginary sequence or a dream sequence or just a um, a sequence. Uh, um, uh, that just deals with Richie's guilt and anxiety over something he 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 didn't do, but he might have done, um, and how crazy he gets from it. Very sitcom character, you know. Like, and th- think about it too. Let me just throw one more thing in too. When you're um, when you're when you're watching it, not only how does the baton twirler get there the way she gets there, and why does the Fonz show up? I mean, it's like, it's. Presumably, it's a Friday night or a Saturday night. I, I, I forget if they say when it is, but let's say it's a Friday night or a Saturday night, or, or who, who cares actually what it is. If if they're in college, if the, if the Fonz has grown up and and Richie's in college, so it actually doesn't really matter that much. Um, but if yeah, if you can't figure out how how she, the, the baton twirler gets there, what is the Fonz doing there? And I would say, what is how does the Fonz just happen to show up at that moment? And I would say that he doesn't. The Fonz in this time, maybe, maybe that's the way we should watch the Fonz for the rest of the season, as if he's a figment of Richie's imagination. No, I, I take that back. Anyway, let's let's go on to the next um, uh, episode. Uh, kid stuff. I gave you the info, uh, dates, and and credits, and everything at the beginning. And in this one, there's a little kid named Bobby, who is the um, son, young son, I don't know how old he is, six, seven, maybe they said, I forgot, uh, year old son of, uh, a gal that Fonzie's dating, uh, the dad is gone, deadbeat dad, basically left one day, never came back, and, um, the Fonz and Bobby, uh, have great fun hanging out together, Bobby has a little leather jacket of his own, they hang out, they build little bridges, and they goof around, they have names for one another, uh, fun names for one another, and um, and then about halfway through the episode, the dad returns, wanting to reform the family, and the um, and the girl Fonzie's girlfriend breaks up with the Fonz and says, "We're going to give it another go, and you can't see Bobby ever again." But Bobby ends up um, 
running away from home because he doesn't like his dad um, and tries to stay with the Fonz and basically everyone kind of goes to the Fonz and says Fonz you gotta let the kid go he's gotta be with his dad and then in the end the Fonz does something that annoys me and the episode ends so let's hear a little of this and I'll be right back have you ever met a girl that you tried to date but a year to make love she wanted you to wait let me tell you a story in my situation I was talking to this girl from the US nation in the spirit of the previous episode I would like to put forward a theory that a portion of this episode is imaginary um, it begins with a bit with, with Ralph and Potsy up on the little stage and Arnold's um, saying, you know, Al is unfair and that Al's not paying them enough to play. And Richie starts to talk to him. And there's a moment where Al comes out with a sign saying, ignore them. And it's very funny. And then there's a bit at the end where they sort of um, are up there and Richie has joined them. And then, and then Al comes out with his ukulele and they all start playing and dancing. I would like to put forward the theory uh, that... Um, you, you you have the scene where they're up there on the stage and Al is there and then um, Fonzie walks in with Bobby and then at the end you have the scene where they're up on the stage uh, I would like to put forward the, the thing that um, uh, from the moment um, Fonzie walks in to the moment that um, that the, the strike is resolved with the ukulele all that is imaginary all that is the Fonz um, sort of uh, wish fulfillment on the Fonz's part. We've seen him with Spike. Um, he will make a big decision, and the final episode, or the, the series finale, not the final aired episode, Passages, um, that has roots in the time he spent with Spike and the time he spent with Bobby in this episode. But um, this episode has... I don't like the way they treat the Fonz in the episode, and I don't, and the show um, does something contradictory with one of the characters here and in a, an episode that's coming up. Uh, I will mention it vaguely, um, but um, it there, there is enough to dislike in between the opening and closing scenes to make one hope that this this was the Fonz maybe just having a dream about having a kid in his life, but then um, uh, the problems possibly with his dad, um, you know, abandoning him sort of come in and they mesh together, and then in the end the Fonz loses the kid, um, but helps sort of reconcile the son and the dad while making an absolute fool out of himself. I hate that scene. I really, I always hate that scene. You, you, you know, there are like... Um, you, you know, if you have, a, have an album you love, that well, you love every song, but there's maybe um, a portion. I'll, I'll do this. I'll do this. This is this is an album I love. This is an album. This is an album I enjoy. I was gonna do Rush, Roll the Bones from '91. Um, I think side one is very strong. Side two kind of floats away from me and kind of kind of loses me. Um, but side one I think is a great side of Rush. The thing with Rush was that. Um, they were one of those bands who I think they said it somewhere when that when it was their thirtieth anniversary or, or whatever fortieth I forget, and they said are you going to release like a disc or or some disc with like unreleased songs and unreleased tracks? And they said well we don't really have any because if if we start a track and we don't think it's working we just we just stop it, and if we get to the end of a track and we finished it then it goes on the album. And you can kind of tell when you listen to the Rush albums that they um, 
you know, they're, they're not like Springsteen, you know, writing 60 songs or more for the Born in the USA sessions and then picking the 12. You know, they're like, if there are eight songs in the album, those are the eight songs they did. You know, maybe there's a bit, bit and piece of things lying around, but there ain't much. Um, but but I was going to say Roll the Bones side one is one of the... And, and so what that means is a lot of times the Rush albums, they can be very uneven. You get two or three really great songs followed by one where it's like, mm, that was fairly average. Um but uh, but I was going to say the song itself, Roll of Bones. Side one of Roll of Bones, I think, is, is is pretty darn strong. Face Up isn't great, but it's it's under four minutes, and it's it's catchy enough. Um, but the song Roll of Bones, which I really love, has that rap section in it, which I know was a goof, um, but um, when we first heard it in 91, you had to remember that, like, everyone, everywhere, little bits of rap were being thrown. Everyone was doing little bits of rap here and there everyone thought they could rap and so to hear uh, rush do it was like huh that um that seems a little weird now yeah like i said it apparently was a joke but like whenever for like example like whenever that that comes up i always sort of i i play it i don't skip over it but whenever it happens i always kind of look around the room and maybe like if someone's in the room with me i'll point at something and go what's that over there or or i'll start a conversation loudly for the for the duration and that's kind of the way the closing scene here is it's basically um um the the dads come to get bobby from the fawns because bobby doesn't want to be with the fawns and and the dad kind of tries to start a fight with the fawns and then uh what the fawns does in order to get bobby to go is he pretends he's a coward and a chicken and he lets the deadbeat dad um not punch him but like okay don't you go near my boy again and so bobby's like i hate you i never want to see you again and throws the leather jacket to the ground they leave and as uh, the Fonz stands up you know the dad as he's going out he looks and sees the Fonz is not fine is fine and not scared at all and he mouths a thank you to the Fonz, and the Fonz gives him a thumbs up and then he leaves at that point you notice that ralph and richie are both wearing pink uh, dress shirts they look good in them i would say a guy looks good in a pink dress shirt um and uh, at that that moment, he's like, "Wait a minute! The Fonz was kidding. He wasn't scared of him at all." And it's like, "Yeah, don't be don't be idiots." Of course, he was kidding. Oh, and the Richie Richie tries to stop it at one point, and but he apologizes and said, "Fonz, I didn't know what you were doing." And the Fonz is like, "That's fine. You know, he'll get over it and he'll be okay." And you know, do you think he'll ever think of me? Yeah, of course he will. Um, but the whole time, I'm thinking, um, "Yeah, I don't like that. I don't like that, especially because it is now. I know it's the dad trying to get a second chance." And I know the mom says she wants to give him that second chance. So it really is none of the Fonz's business. But um, could you could you imagine a show today if there was a... You know what also actually kind of reminds me of the, the Great Gildersleeve? Circa... I forget what season it was. It was one of the radio seasons, 48-49. There, there's a, a running... Um, running sort of plot line throughout the season where uh, Gildersleeve goes out to his car at the end of a work day and someone's put a baby in the back seat of his car and and basically from like September to Christmas when this plot line is wrapped up for about 12 episodes they have this baby and they're taking care of this baby and they name the baby and I think they do like a contest name the baby contest so it ends up getting kind of a dumb name if I remember correctly I could be wrong I could be wrong um, I could be thinking of a Bob and Ray contest where where they fake contest where they where they give something a stupid name, um, but and and so you get this wonderful 
run of episodes where um, at first Gildersleeve's like, I don't want this baby in the house, but after a while he comes to fall in love with the baby and kind of like, well, we're going to take the baby in since there no, since the parents aren't around. And then what happens is the, the Christmas episode at Christmas Day, you learn that... Um, one of the people that I, I forget I forget the um, the details of it, but someone who is in the cast, it um, who kind of um, I forget when he joined up. It was it wasn't the sort of thing where like you know um, we found a baby and this new guy joined the cast and we know nothing about him. Hmm, wonder wonder who put the baby there kind of thing. It's it's not it's not done that, that like that, but it's just and and then you learn that it's it's this guy and his his wife died and he couldn't he felt like he couldn't take care of the baby and so he left the baby with Gildersleeve because um he thought Gildersleeve was responsible you know raising two kids that weren't his own, uh and and so there's kind of a heartbreaking sequence at the end of the Christmas thing where, um, uh the the dad says basically yeah that's my baby. I'll take care of the baby now. And I was like, oh, that's so wonderful. It's going to be a Merry Christmas. And the, the, the father who abandoned the baby in the backseat of a car four months before, a little baby, little, little, little baby, um, uh, now, now is going to take on the, the role of being a dad. And everyone's like, that's great, except for Gildersleeve, who isn't so sure and isn't so happy. And it ends, you get a tear in your eye at the end of the episode. And, you, and I don't remember if you ever sort of hear or see from the baby again. But it's just this, this weird moment where it's like, um, you know, back then, I, I guess that was what you did. And here, I guess, I mean, it is meant to be set circa 1960 at this point. So maybe that's that's this is what you did. But, I mean, could you imagine in an episode of something today, think of an episode of a show you really love that has has a main character in it that's a nice character. I'm not talking like Larry David or something like that, um, but a nice character, a character you like. And let's say they're in the same situation that that the Fonz is in, and they're you know they're going out with someone, or so, and they they befriend the child of this person, and it becomes almost like a surrogate dad, and then a deadbeat dad who walked out of the family, left them almost destitute, broke their hearts, returns and says, "Give me another chance," and in order to fully give him the chance they have to humiliate the main character of the show even if right after they do it they 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 say like well he didn't really he he was he was faking it imagine that pick pick a show pick a show you love with that as a main character that you love and um imagine an episode and imagine the thing about the episode to imagine too is that you've never met this person, this kid before, you've never met the mom before, you've never met the dad before. After um, this episode, you'll never see any of them again. And and just think, okay, so you brought in these new characters, um, and the, I mean, I mean, you only see the dad very briefly in the end. You see the mom once when her and the Fonz are going out, the second time when she breaks up with him and don't, says, don't see Bobby again. And when you see her that second time, she hasn't been in it enough to warrant sort of the emotions they're trying to get from us it's it's too it's too rote it's too pat it's too like okay you know what we're going for here so we, we're not going to try um and not to say that henry winkler isn't working his ass off anyway you know he's always good he is always good i'm saying the scripts are not so hot here i my opinion and um yeah, and, and it's it's just it's just they they it's like with Fonzie's blindness, you know, they introduce all all this stuff that you know is you know the kid's not going to be a regular character, 
Um, you know, you, you know the 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 dad's not going to show up again. You know the mom's not going to show up again. So it just kind of so it's like, what lesson are we learning? I mean, is is I mean the 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 sort of lesson I guess we're supposed to be learning um, is like like Richie says, um, you know, and and because everyone is like, well, Fonz, you should let the boy go so he can be with his dad, and the Fonz is like, why, you know. You know, he was just like my dad. He ran away. Why give him another chance? Like, oh, that's it. That's why you're doing this, Fonz. Are you blaming his dad or blaming your dad? And I thought, who cares? Sincerely, who cares? We should be thinking about the happiness of the kid here. And we should be remembering that the dad ran out. Why has he come back all of a sudden? You know, that that's the thing to me. He ran out once. What's to stop him running out a second time? You know, at least Fonzie's dad ran out and never ever came back. You know, that's the that's commitment. And the, the thing that annoys me here, and, and this, this is going to be tricky because the Christmas episode for this season, where we see Fonzie's dad, um, I've already posted. I posted it a Christmas or so ago. Joanna Wilson joins me for the chat. Um, and in it, I, I point out that since we're doing it out of order, there may have been something important that I missed. And there is something important that I missed because when the Fonz is talking to um, Mr. and Mrs. C and Richie about all of this, all Mr. Mrs. C, Mr. C, Mrs. C and Richie all think, all basically say the same thing like, well, you know, the dad's back, so he should have his father. He should go with his father. And... I, I hate to ruin it, but one of the interesting moments with the Christmas episode is as they're talking about Fonz's dad wanting to sort of reconcile, and everyone's like, come on, Fonz, it's your father, give him a chance. Mr. C's response is, if you've been watching the show in order, the exact opposite of what we see here. And I guess I'll, I, 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 I want to save that for the Christmas episode, but we don't talk about that in the Christmas episode because we didn't watch this beforehand. So maybe I'll put a little addendum on to the, um, the, uh, the, the Christmas episode, just, just saying that it, the, one of the reasons why I don't like kid stuff is that um, it, it contradicts what happens in what Mr. C says about the deadbeat dads in the Christmas episode. And the Christmas episode, he's saying about the Fonz's dad, which is important. In kid stuff, he's saying about Bobby's dad, which is not. To Bobby it might be, but who cares? He, if he got his own spinoff and it ran for eight years, that would be great. But but he's in, I mean, this is, this is what, a 26-minute episode of television, you know, and, and Bobby and, and, and his dad and mom are in it for less than 20 minutes, so... Anyway, um, I mean, there there is kind of a sweet scene with with uh, Bobby and the Fonz goofing around building a bridge and everything. It's a bit cloying. It's a bit too cutesy pie for me. Kind of slightly embarrassing. Um, sort of the opposite end of like the Fonz going crazy because he's blind. This is sort of the opposite end of that. It's like that was the Fonz going a little too emotional that way. Here's the Fonz going a little too goofy and gooey that way. Um, I'm not sure what they're doing with the Fonz in this season. Um, hopefully he gets a good episode soon because this this is not... I don't think this is a good episode. Apart from the interstitial... I mean, Richie has a funny bit where he tries to point out he has, he's growing a mustache and you can't see it. Uh, maybe Richie should be in secondary stuff too. Uh, like I mentioned, like the Fonz should be, because he they're funny in this Richie the Fonz. But but when Richie's kind of preaching to the uh, the Fonz about he should have a father and it's not you, and you're like Richie, get out of here. In fact, I I agree with the Fonz there when he, when he tells 
um, uh, uh, Richie to leave his his apartment. Um, yeah, but then, but then it all kind of barrels towards that end scene, and I just that's one that's one of those end scenes. It's like, ugh. as I said at the beginning, the, the the episode is good for the opening and closing, and it's good because it portends the something that will happen in the final episode passages. That's why it's worth watching. But it's I know, I I um, I I. It, it's it's the episode has some laughs and and but but it just it just keeps making these weird wrong turns that kind of just kind of dig a hole for the episode that it doesn't get out of it almost gets out of when Al comes out with the ukulele and everyone starts singing but it doesn't quite um, and then I'll just say one more bit unfortunately it's another bit I don't well no I like the Fonz in this scene but it's it's the scene where Joni is telling Joni Piccolo's um, rumor to her mom and dad that that the Fonz is married and has a kid and the Fonz comes in and they almost like like team up on him like Fonz we know your secret and and like the look look at Joni look at Joni's face in this it's like so self-righteous and you know I you know I love Joni but like in this episode I do not and seeing her face, like her belief in what Joni Piccolo said, over you know before she heard the Fonza side of the story, there, there are two moments here, like the where where like just look at her face as she's delivering the lines. It's just like it's so, ugh. It's like burn the Fonz, burn the Fonz kind of face. It's just gross. But then the Fonz hand handles it well and actually does it in a humorous manner. But then Joni, I think, is let too quickly off the hook with, oh that Jenny Piccolo, um, and of course. Of course, the tricky thing with the show, too, is that you get this moment where you see, like, Joni, I think, at her grossest, and she is, it's because she's believing that Jenny Piccolo, um, something Jenny Piccolo said. So what what does that mean? Yep, in a season or two, we're going to meet Jenny Piccolo, and we're going to spend a lot of time with Jenny Piccolo. There are those who love Jenny Piccolo and those who don't. At the moment, I'm somewhere in the middle. We'll see where I am once the episodes get started. Anyways, that's, um... This is episode three of uh, uh, season six discussions of uh, for Happy Days, everyone. I'm sorry, this season. Um, what is next? What is the next? What are the next episodes? Sweet sixteen and Fearless Mouth. I think there's a Joni, Joni, and then a Mouth. I think possibly. Now Joni's older than sixteen, isn't she? She she was going out with a college kid in the in the previous episode. I mean, a college kid that will, will be like 19. Huh, do, do Mr. and Mrs. C know this? Um, I, I, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. But Sweet 16, Fearless Mouth, I don't remember what happens in either of them. I'm hoping they're better than what's happened in, in the first batch of episodes here because I'm, uh, I'm not really feeling it uh, in this season. Um, everyone is still acting up a storm. Jerry Paris's direction is fine, although his angles are getting higher and higher up, and we are getting perilously close to, in the top right-hand corner, of the living room set to seeing over the top of the set. Very, very close to it. And again, I will say one more thing and then wrap it up. How do the bathrooms work in Arnold's? The guys is on the left, the dolls is on the right. But when you walk in the guys, everything in the guys' room is to the right of the door. So wouldn't that put it inside the girls' room? Unless the girls' room goes up or down? Or unless the guys' room is on some kind of curve? You know, like, it's like, um, it would be like if the, if the girl's room, like, kind of went, you went in the doll's room, and it went to the right, uh, and then you went in the guy's room, and it kind of curves around 
the the girls room almost like it's like spooning it kind of thing. I, I can't imagine why they'd make a bunch of restrooms in a diner like that, but um, it makes no sense. Uh, but I'm going to stop there. Uh, that was that was this episode. Everyone will be back next time for whatever I said. Sweet 16 and Fearless Mouth. Be good to yourselves and listen to this. Saturday.